Amen. Amen. So welcome to the mission. Um, Happy New Year. For those of you who haven't been here uh, this this new year, we're really excited about this new um, sermon series that we're working on called Radical Love. I I hope you enjoy how radical it looks. And um, we got some, you know, paintings up here and stuff. So it's it's totally radical, dude. Um, But... uh, so I, I, I think the first six weeks of the year is a perfect time for any, any of us really to kind of take stock of who we are as a church and who we are just as people in general. So um, uh, I know that New Year's resolutions are, you know, kind of, kind of part of, of what we do, um, but uh, this is kind of our series that we're talking about, that, uh, our New Year's resolution as a church or maybe just our new uh, Mission as the mission, but um, this is really not new mission. It's all the same mission. It's just kind of reclarifying it for everybody. So last week we talked about what, who are we, and this week we're going to talk about what is our purpose. What what are we here for? And uh, throughout the next few weeks we're going to also talk about how we're going to accomplish that purpose um, in our own community. So we're diving into the book of Acts, which is a perfect place to to look for um, kind of guidance in terms of how do you how does the church grow? How does it become a growing community of faith? Um, and because that's, that's what happened at the very beginning. If you missed last week's message, just make sure you go pick up uh, iTunes or, or go to our website, themissionredlands.com, and just listen to Jason's message. Pastor Jason you know, knocked it out of the park and talked about um, who we are as a church, a growing community, um, you know, and uh, living out God's radical love. So I want you guys to go to that if you can. Now, if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s, radical love just sounds kind of like you know, radical, like, like the 80s, right? So, um, uh, you know, we, it's, a, it's a word we associate with kind of totally awesome, tubular, uh, you know, just some kind of cool words that came out of the 80s. Like, I, when I grew up, those were, those were the words. So how many of you guys remember the 80s and all those, those, uh, that time? How many of you were born in the 80s? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many wish you were back in the 80s? Um, yeah. So I, I, I figured... Um, you know, <laughs> I wanted to kind of remind us about some of the things that went viral uh, before viral is even like a thing uh, in the 80s. So uh, first thing that I wanted to show you was, the, uh, was this. So how many of you had one of these? I had one of these. I still have one of these. Can't think of where it is, but my wife probably knows where it is. But um, I, I love the Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's Cube was like one of my favorite toys, and I thought I was smart, so I thought I could memorize the book that how to how to solve the puzzle. Um, I wasn't actually that good at it, but, um, but that was a pretty cool toy. But so, so I saw more women, men than women on that one. How many of you guys had this, these, these toys? Yeah. Those are creepy. They're scary looking. Have you looked at them? They're like, they're like, ah! um, anyway, so those are, those are Cabbage Patch kids. So some of you in the, you know, that were born in the eighties probably don't remember these, but these are, these were some, some crazy dolls. And, and the Christmas that these came out, like people were going crazy for them, like literally trying to kill each other um, to, to get them. And um, we had some viral toys that happened in the 80s. There was also some viral hairstyles. Um, the, how many of you guys rocked the man perm? I rocked the man perm. I wish I could say I didn't rock the man perm, but I rocked the man perm. I was a freshman in high school, and I may or may not have burned all of those pictures. Um, but, but I blame the man perm on what happened to my hair after that. So I'm sure that I was going to have a full head of hair and then um, uh, that's, this is what happened. So maybe God's punishing me. I don't know. But it, don't do that. Whatever you do. It was terrible, right? But you guys, you women, don't get off so easily, right? Because that kind of hairstyle. Who had that hairstyle? 
How much hairspray did it take to pull that off? Aquanet. I knew it. My wife told me about Aquanet. I didn't deal with, I didn't do Aquanet, but, um, but uh, I don't understand why. Why do we do this? Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> there was, you know, like I told you before, there's, there was some cool words that we paint, came up with in the 80s, like gnarly. I mean, what, you know, gnarly is like a, like, I don't know, it's just weird, like how we picked up some weird words, like dudical. We say dude, right? But dudical? Does it remember, anybody remember saying that? No? Okay. Maybe it was just me. My wife said she did, though. And um, there was like weird phrases like gag me with a spoon. Gag me with a spoon. And there was like the Valley Girls. Like they totally like ruined our like language for the rest of our like life. And I'm sorry if you guys hear me say like the rest of the day because when you when I put that in your mind, you're going to remember it. But um, they totally ruined our our language. But uh, I really loved the 80s when I was a kid. And obviously because I was a kid, um, that's all I knew. But I also love just kind of thinking about and I think it's interesting and kind of fascinating how, how things spread like that. Like, how does, how does the Rubik's Cube become just a thing into, from a little, like, toy to this ubiquitous, uh, you know, phenomenon throughout the culture? You know, from popular toys to popular hairstyles to uh, language, um, you know, there's always been a way that, that things spread throughout a culture. And, and as most of you know, I'm an urgent care doctor, so... This week has been one of the, it actually is the busiest week in all of the history of my department. Um, uh, we've been get, getting something that's spreading throughout our community called norovirus. Anybody had that? My, my family had it like in December. Norovirus is like gastroenteritis, stomach flu. You start throwing up and got diarrhea and it's just no, it's no bueno. But, um, but it's been going throughout our community. It spreads like a virus. Um, it is a virus, so that's why. Um, <laughs> but my department has felt that virus, and uh, have, have been, we've been super busy. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, so there's a process of spreading a fad, there's this process of spreading hairstyles, there's processes of spreading viruses. They all kind of are similar, actually, to how fast the early church grew in, in the first century. It was, it was incredible how a few people, the, si- the amount of people maybe in this room, built a, a complete movement throughout all the known world. It spread like wildfire in, in that community. And how did it happen? I'm just thankful, actually, that Cabbage Patch Kids didn't be- become as viral as, as Christianity, because that would be scary. Those were uh, ugly dolls. So... Um, See, the difference is that 2,000 years later, despite all the odds, we're all here today as Christians because a message spread that couldn't be contained. A message that still can't be contained today. And unlike the fads of 30 years ago, Cabbage Patch Kids and Rubik's Cubes, we still believe in this radical love that Jesus came to save us from our sins. We still believe that today, and it's incredible. So today we're going to study the book of Acts, and I talked about it a little bit. We're going to look at how this message of the good news of Jesus Christ spread throughout the known world. And as we learned last week, Pastor Jason spoke about who are we. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. A growing, emphasis on growing community living out God's radical love. And Acts 2 shows us the first glimpse of that growing church. 
the, this church, uh, this group of believers who saw, they saw Jesus. They, they knew him. They saw his ministry. They heard his teaching. They saw all the miracles. These people in that room, they knew Jesus. They watched him die. And then they saw him when he was risen. And as we talked about in the la- in last week, we, in the first chapter of Acts, we see them waiting. They're waiting in the upper room, as we talked about. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're ready to step into that moment when the Holy Spirit comes. But see, if, if we left the story there, all these people that knew Jesus in the upper room, none of us would be here today. There wouldn't be such thing as Christianity. You see, this community of believers who had seen Jesus and lived with Jesus and knew Jesus, that group, as we talked about last week, that group was in it for good. They were together. They were true believers. And they were, they were ready to spread that good news. And they could have just stuck together. They could have just hung out together and been like, yeah, let's hang out in this room and, you know, let's talk about all the good times. Let's talk about, the, like we talk about the 80s. They'd just hang out and say, yeah, remember when Jesus did that? Remember when Jesus did that? Wasn't that cool? They could have just done that. But nothing would have changed then in their community. Nothing would have, nothing would have changed. So what did they do that was so different that spread that message? How did they become this growing community? And how is it today that 2,000 years later, we still know these stories and we still believe that Jesus is our Savior? See, the love that God showed by sending His Son is still as relevant today as it was then because of what these people accomplished. So at the time, you know, the world was dominated by the Roman Empire. And... They believed, actually, that Caesar was Lord. So when we say Jesus is Lord, when, when, when you hear Caesar was Lord, that was actually, Jesus is Lord was kind of juxtaposed against Caesar is Lord. So if you imagine being in that community, and it was like saying, you know, um, I don't know, Obama is Lord, or uh, Donald Trump is Lord, that, that, would be, that would be scary, right? So, I mean, that's the kind of community you lived in. And when you say, no, Jesus is Lord, that, that was completely countercultural. And how was it that that culture became infiltrated with this amazing message that Jesus was Lord? That God, the creator of the world, came down and loved the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. In fact, historians really have a hard time explaining it at all. You see, faith in Jesus was not something that that should have been popular. It wasn't what all the cool kids were doing. At all. Not at all. And, in fact, the Roman Empire and even the Jewish religious elites, they they were actively trying to exterminate this message. But I believe that the Bible shows us some specific behaviors that these first believers did. That they, that, that they, they... performed that we can actually do today to go about making radical love spread to our community. So, I mean, I know that, that if you think back to the story that we talked about last week, you know, they see Jesus leave, they, they uh, see Jesus, um, you know, ascend into the clouds and he tells them the message to wait for the Holy Spirit. They, they see the Holy Spirit come and then they're waiting in the room, in the upper room. They're praying. They're, they're, they're taking care of each other. That's where we're going to start this message today, is in Acts 2. So the first thing that was different 
about these believers was that they lived in a radically loving community of believers. So remember, these people had all seen Jesus. They kind of knew Jesus. They, they, um, they, they were devoted to each other, though. So it wasn't just that like, they all kind of believed the same thing, and they were like, yeah, we're on the same team. They, were, they cared for each other. And this is when we first begin to see this viral spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. People were drawn to this radical type of love. And as we read in Acts 2, verses 46 through 47, it says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is the first step of how the gospel spread. See, they were joyful. They were, their attitudes with each other, their devotion to the teachings of, of the apostles, the, the devotion to Jesus' teaching, what he said, like living out actually what he said. The Bible says that that was attractive to all people. That was, that was enjoyed the favor of all people. Means that, you know, everybody saw this and was like, Wow, outsiders, people who'd never heard the name of Jesus, were drawn in, and the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So, a community that's characterized by God's radical love, it's irresistible. And that was what was so amazing about that first moment in Acts, when, when you see the people taking care of each other, that community was irresistible. Not just people who were like inside who knew Jesus, but those who were outside. Those who didn't know Jesus. They saw this group of people eating together in their homes and showing each other radical love, selling everything they had, selling them, selling them their, their, their possessions and saying, we, we want, we're in this for good. That was a group of people who were known for their love. They were known for their love and, and they were also known for their stories of faith and healing. The healing power of Jesus. So we're going to talk about today on Acts 3 and 4 as we, as we continue through the book of Acts. We're going to go through a story that encapsulates a lot of what was going on, on that, in that early group of believers. They, they used the powerful stories of people's changed lives and they, they used the powerful stories of healing to make the name of Jesus known. So let's go through Acts 3, 1 through 10. And I'm going to apologize. I'm glad you guys don't have to stand during Scripture today because there's like, there's like two chapters of Scripture we're going to kind of go through. It's quick. It's a story, so I didn't want to cut it up. Um, but I do think that, that, that this is really important, and we're going to find some really great things um, within this next, uh, this next ver- or, uh, chapter and a half. So Acts 3, 1 through 10 says this, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon was the time of prayer. So now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Look, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So we, what we see happening here is this man is healed. A guy who everybody knew just couldn't be healed. He was 40 years old at the time. And um, what I think is awesome about this, I mean, I, I don't think we, we see this quite this spectacularly today sometimes, but, we, but I think that there is something that God's telling us in, through this story. What, what's happening here is that God is giving Peter and John a story to tell. And we'll see why that's important a little later. So the people standing around must have been amazed. At, at, and instead of Peter and John just simply saying, like, yeah, that was me. I, I healed that guy. They didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't kind of, like, take it on themselves and say, yeah, we, took, we did this. Peter gets on his high horse, as Peter likes to do. If you guys, when we, when we read throughout Scripture uh, in Acts, you're going to see Peter doing this a lot. He loves to make sermons out of everything. So um, he basically starts saying, look, you guys killed Jesus, this one who was working these miracles through us. It's not us, it's Jesus. It isn't us who heals this man, but the creator of the world. So now we're going to skip down a couple verses to Acts three fifteen through 16. He says this, Peter says, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We've seen this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. So what an amazing testimony of power, the power of Jesus. You know, Peter is giving these guys a bit of a guilt trip, I guess, here. But, you know, he's like, dude, you guys killed the guy, but uh, he's now, he's alive and now he's working through us. But he's really using that story of healing to point people to the cross, point people to Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah. And I guess, you know, the Jewish leaders, they probably weren't very happy about this. As I said, they're trying to exterminate this message. And, and, and so they threw them in jail. They threw them in, right in jail. And, and uh, they kind of get together and try and figure out what to do. So the next morning, you know, as Peter's kind of uh, talking to these, the jailers and talking to the elders of the, of the Jewish faith, they're saying, he, he goes back, back at it. He doesn't just like kind of let, let it go, let it slide. Okay, you guys put me in jail. I'm done. I'll just be quiet now. No, he says... Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, this is in Acts 4, 8 through 15, I think we have it there, okay, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Amen. Amen. So when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, these guys weren't like uh, the smartest ones in the room. You know, they were, they were like kind of just ordinary fishermen type people. Um, they, they see these, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could do or say. There was nothing they could do because this guy's right there in front of them. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. Again, you've got to go figure this thing out. So this is the critical part of the story. Right after this, so you, you know, we, get, we get the healing and then we get Peter and John in jail and then Peter says, look, you guys killed the author of, this, of, of the world. You killed, this, you killed Jesus. And, uh, and then they realize that these guys are, 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 you know, these guys are going to be trouble for them. So this, this next part of the story is the critical part of the story. And this is where we see how God worked through Peter and John to spread the gospel. It's in Acts 4, 16 through 20, right here. Okay? What are we going to do with these men, they asked. So these are the Jewish leaders. They're talking to each other. They're saying, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. But, but to stop this thing from spreading any further... Among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So it's like, we need, to, we need to stop this right now. And then they called them back in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And this is the part that I don't want you to miss, right here. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you people who think you've got it all together... Or to him. You be the judges. As for us, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. I can't stop it because I saw Jesus. I know who he is. I know what he's done. He's commanded me to be his witness throughout Jerusalem, Judea, the rest of the world. That's what I'm called to do. Wow. Wow. The leaders of the Jews are trying to figure out how to stop this message from spreading. And they think we, it cannot be contained. And they were right. Because they knew that the power of the Holy Spirit to change people's lives. The, the thing that they had seen that day. It wasn't going to stop. It wasn't going to stop. And so it was over for them if, they, if this message spread. So in verse 20, Peter and John, they just let the leaders know, look, we can't help speaking about this. We cannot help it. They were so changed by Jesus. They were so changed by what he'd done for them and what he'd done even for this man that they couldn't contain themselves any longer. See, God's radical love spreads by speaking about what we have seen and we have heard. That's how it happens. Do we have that kind of fervor today? Do we have that sense of urgency in our own lives? Are we so utterly changed by what Jesus has done for us that we're unable to contain ourselves? That we can't help but share what God is doing in our community? See, that power can't be stopped. It's, it's irresistible. When people are so bought into the message of Jesus Christ, it can't be stopped. You see, all kinds of people noticed how this community of be- be- believers loved each other, and, and they were drawn to it. And then through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, people's lives were changed. People were healed. Hearts were healed. And then when the disciples pointed people to the power of 
faith in Jesus Christ and told people what they had seen and heard, God was made famous throughout the land. And unlike the 80s, which are now just kind of simply part of history, a little bit of nostalgia, the viral message that began 2,000 years ago, it's echoed throughout history and continues to change lives today. So what does this story mean for us? What does it mean for us at the mission? You see, we need to build a church community whose irresistible love and care for each other demonstrates Jesus Christ's love for our community. We need to invite people to experience that radical love for themselves. When Jesus spoke to the disciples in Acts 1, he told them that they would be witnesses throughout the world starting with the immediate community of Jerusalem, starting right out there outside their doors. Today, our local community, our community right outside these doors, community of Redlands and Kaipa and Loma Linda and San Bernardino, that community needs to be invited to join in this radical love. They need to see it. They need to come and see what Jesus is doing right here, right now. They need to be invited to the mission. And I know it's hard, because actually, this is the hardest part for me, is, is inviting people. Because, how do we do it? What, what I was really encouraged by to this week was actually reading this story of how did Peter and John do it. We do it just like them. We, we all have stories, which we can talk about in our own lives. The healing power of Jesus Christ. Whether it's in our our spiritual life, whether he's healed us emotionally, whether he's healed us physically, he's healed your family, he's healed relationships. Jesus Christ still has that power today. The amazing power that healed that man who'd been unable to walk for 40 years. And those stories are in this room today. We need to be willing to share our stories of changed hearts and lives with our neighbors. Speak about what you've seen and heard. We need to be so overwhelmed by these stories that we can't help it. We can't help but share it. And that's it. That's the strategy. So we're here today because that group of people that was not much bigger than the, room, the people in this room They were willing to sacrifice everything to change the world. They were willing to sacrifice everything for each other. They were willing to sacrifice everything for what they had seen and heard. They did not care that the Roman Empire didn't like this message. They didn't care that the Jewish elite didn't like this message. That's what those first Christians did and that's what we need to do today. So, what is the mission of the mission? I, that's right, to, to reach the lost, to preach the gospel to the lost. And I always go back to Matthew chapter 28, because I think this kind of is, is the command that Jesus gives to his, his disciples, where it says, your job is to make disciples, to teach people to follow me. And I still think that is our job today. It's to make disciples and teach people to follow Jesus Christ. 
And as Jesus said in Acts 1, before he took off into the clouds, he says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what is the mission of the mission? It's to make God's radical love contagious. It's to make God's radical love contagious again. Because it's happened before, and it's going to happen in our community, and we want to be part of it. So we need to be known for our loving church community. We, we need to speak about our own stories, about what we've seen and heard, and we need to invite people to experience this radical love for themselves. That's our mission. To set a contagious, all-encompassing fire of radical love throughout our community. So I hope you're going to join us in spreading it. I hope you're going to join us in making this community Never forget the name of Jesus. I don't want you to miss next week as we're going to start talking about how do we live this out? How do we actually do this in our church with connect, grow, and serve? You guys know those terms. We're going to kind of put some meat behind those again. And I want you to be here so that you can be part of what we're going to be doing here in the mission at Redlands. So let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for those people who were bold enough to spread this message of good news to us all these years later. God, I just thank you for preserving these texts so we can see what happened. So that we can learn what to do to spread your good news to those who need it so desperately, God. We thank you so much for the mission. We thank you so much for the ability to worship together without persecution, God. We know that's, that's a gift from you. And we're so thankful for it. And God, today, as the ushers come forward, I just ask that you would bless our offerings. That you would bless that which we bring to you. That all of it is yours, God, but we want to sacrifice Everything, just like those first Christians did. And we ask you to take what we bring and use it in a way that would honor you, God. In a way that would bring glory to your name. In a name that would, in a way that would make your name famous throughout Redlands, throughout the Inland Empire, and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray.